welcome you to River Church this morning in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. We're ministering today on this last Sunday before Christmas, uh, what I've titled, Will You Conceive a Miracle? So I'd like first to turn in our Bibles to the book of Luke, chapter 1. That's a Christmas passage, if there is such a thing. Matthew chapter, uh, Luke chapter 1. Praise God. Praise God. So I want to encourage you. Let me get back to announcement. I'm going to encourage you to listen to some things that Debbie's done. Uh, she's still my favorite speaker in the world. And I, I've been listening to just snippets of it, not all of it, just testing it out. And, and faith just rises up. The, the girl was amazing. And uh, we're trying to preserve like 165 different series over her lifetime. So... Uh, that are recorded, that are in series. So I want to encourage you to go to riverchurchalabama.org and go to Billings Ministries, and then uh, there'll be a tab there this next week that you can go straight to her stuff. Okay, chapter 1 of Luke, verse 38. Let's read it together. Verse 38, ready, read. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done to me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So that was the Christmas miracle. Uh, in the easy to read translation, and you might want to write this down later because it's going to be what we're going to, we're going to go into 2022 with this. The easy to read translation says, Mary said, I am the servant of the Lord God. Here it is. Let this thing you have said happen to me. Let's say that together. Let this thing you have said happen to me. Let's do it again. Let this thing you have said happen to me. Now, you may have thought I was going to punt this morning, but I've got a very, very powerful message for us about conceiving our miracle and uh, how we can enter the next year with so much power. Miracles are, are a, 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 an anomaly. They're a strange thing. They're a very intriguing thing to all people. Uh, everyone is interested in miracles. And it, it, their interest is whether they believe in them or not. They're kind of like God. Everybody believes in miracles. They just don't know how they happen. And there is a great vacuum in all people that have heard of miracles and, and, and actually heard testimonies of miracles like we heard this morning that don't understand them. So then you would go to the church and say, well, the church understands miracles. And you'd go, no, we don't understand miracles either. So if we were going to ever have an understanding, the most prolific information out there about miracles would actually be demonic. Demonic, uh, the, the devil has saturated our world with, de with demonic miracles or what we would call the supernatural. And that's taken a lot of different uh, uh, forms over the years. And the church has been so deluded and so asleep that they don't even know that we're being saturated with it. But it's, it's been happening with the Disney Channel from way back. Uh, Disney has fooled with that, and I'm not just picking them out. That's just the one that I, on Sunday night when I was little, that's what we watched. Uh, but it's magic. Magic is demonic miracles or supernatural things in the negative realm. And then we as adults, we are saturated with the UFO phenomenon. 
and I'm not, I'm not here to contend for it, but I will tell you it's not natural. It's a, it's a form of getting us to look beyond what the Word says and to start looking to other possibilities. Then there's the aliens. Then there's the superheroes. You go, well, they're, they're, what's wrong with the superhero? You, you could get a lot of pushback about this. But actually, it's just people working with supernatural power. And, it, you know, and you can defend your favorite superhero. And I used to watch Superman when I was young and all that. I'm not here to disparage anything. I'm just saying that's an example. And even as pure or good as it may seem in the realm that uh, you may defend, there's always a place where it slides off and there's evil superheroes that do evil things with evil powers. And so you, you got to look at it and just say, yeah, it's a part of the system, whether it's actually the thing that, uh, that uh, works against us. There's witchcraft. Witchcraft is everywhere. Now, it's always been here. The Bible talks about witchcraft, so that's nothing new, but it's come out in the open. And we have good witches and bad witches, so-called. And that even came up with Wizard of Oz a long time ago, which is seemingly benign. But, you know, you had the good witch of the, the West and the East or, you know, the evil witch. I don't remember, but, you know, it starts making us familiar with witches. But in the Bible, if you are caught messing with a witch, you're supposed to be stoned. It's, it is not like, I uh, don't do that anymore. It's like, come over here, we got a rock for you. Hallelujah. And then, there, of course, there's the contemporary of all witchcraft is, is Harry Potter. And you just, you, you have to fight almost people to make a case for Harry Potter because it has been so well placed in our culture that even Christians, born again, love Jesus, would, would have a miracle in their lives, yet they, they, they see nothing wrong with Harry Potter and all that's going on there. So here's my point, here's my key. Come in, Brother A. Okay. Goodbye, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. So the point is, is that a counterfeit always proves that there's a real. Right. It's not that we're here to lay hold of the counterfeit and, and, and make an effigy about that and burn it. It's just to know that whatever we see that's in the evil realm, the negative realm, proves that there's that and more a... It is, it is a takeoff of something that's greater and more benevolent than we can imagine. So that's where I want to go today is how do you get a miracles? Because I say, and you would too, the church ought to have a mastery about miracles. We ought to know how they come, what they look like. We ought to know the fake from the real, the counterfeit from the genuine. We ought to know how you get one. We ought to be able to explain them when we see them, when we hear them. We ought to be able to discern between them and something that's not a miracle, that it's a fake miracle. We ought to know, the church ought to know everything. That is, that is our medium, as it were, of, of expertise and mastery, is we understand miracles. We work in the supernatural. We understand it, and we minister it with fluidity. Now, that's the way I think the kingdom is supposed to be. Jesus took unborn again men, men that were unregenerated, and he told them, go out and, and uh, heal the sick and cast out devils. 
that first time when they sent them out two by two. Well, if they could go out and minister miracles, how much more the born-again, uh, blood-bought church of the Lord Jesus that is actually the product of the miracle that we just saw here, the, the new birth. So I say that the miraculous is easy. I say that it's powerful. I say we ought, to we ought to work in it like we work our toothbrush. You know, everybody's a master of their own mouth. Hallelujah. You know how to do it. You know how to get in the shower and run, run the soap. Left arm first or right arm. Everybody knows this is how you do it. Well, we ought to have a mastery over miracles, the supernatural, the goodness of God ministered to people. And yet we have not. This, this story here, uh, verse 38, Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And literally, I am the servant of the Lord God. Let this thing you have said happen to me. Let this thing you have said happen to me. And of course, where we're going is the Lord has said a lot of things about you and me. The whole word is full of promises. So it's just personal as it can be. It's not like God was speaking in in first uh, Peter two twenty four. He was speaking to somebody else. He was speaking to you. He was speaking to me. And so we would respond as if he'd come through the door and said and said, Joey, by my stripes, you, Joy Gann, are healed. We'd go, let this thing you have said happen to me. It'd be personal. It would be uh, spontaneous. It would be right then. And you, you would have a conversation with the Lord Jesus when, in fact, that's exactly what we're doing with the Word of God. We're having, he's having a conversation with us, and we respond. We either respond with nothing, which is a response, or we say, this thing you have said, let it happen to me. Or just let it fly by and I'll pretend I didn't see that. Let's go back to verse 26 in this passage. It says in verse 26, The sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God into a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came into her and said, Hail, thou, art, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb. Thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and thou shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? How can this thing be, since I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee, shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. So here's a miracle. You go, well, that's, that's Jesus. That's Mary, the mother of God. That's what uh, some religions say. They say, that's the mother of God. No, it wasn't. It was the mother of Jesus. Y'all get that? 
Jesus, he, he divested himself of his divinity when he was born. That's why he came as he did. He had to come as a man in order to save us from our sin. He had to become as we were in order to take away what we were. So uh, uh, Mary was not the mother of God. She was the mother of Jesus. Hallelujah. She had other children too. So was the mother of God having other children that just went to school and married and had kids and went to work every day? Ah, it's it's got to be different than that. So in uh, uh, verse 35, it says there that the, the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And so the reference to that, you got to say, where'd this power come from? In this case, it came from El Shaddai. He is the almighty God. The power of the highest shall overshadow thee. And, the, and El Shaddai is, is revealed to us in the Old Testament. Uh, two kinds of God revealed. There was the, the, uh, the almighty God, excuse me, uh, Elohim. There I got it. Elohim and, and El Shaddai. Now El Shaddai was the God that had the power to reverse or supersede the natural realm. He could override, he would override natural law. He would never subvert it. He would never do something that was against his laws, but he would supersede it, much like an airplane supersedes gravity and pull or drag and supersedes it. But of course, as we know, as soon as you click the engine off, the law of gravity's always been there and it'll bring you down faster than you wanted to come. Hallelujah. So we know it says in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, let me read that right here. In the beginning, God, Elohim, created the heaven and the earth. Elohim. So he's, Elohim is the God of order. He's the God of natural law. He makes sure gravity stays on. He makes sure that the sun comes up exactly when they calculate that it will come up. They already know two or six years from now when the sun will come up on this date. They already know. They, they, they know everything like that because Elohim is in charge of maintaining. The seasons are here because of Elohim. Uh, uh, it rains because of him. Everything that's set in in natural law is here because of Elohim, and he enforces that. But uh, El Shaddai, the Almighty God, he overrides that. He can bring a, not a reversal of that, but a superseding to that, and that is where the realm of miracles is. Everybody would know, they would say that having children is a miracle. Well, it is. It's, it's wonderful. It's, it seems like it, uh, but it's actually a part of natural law. All, all babies are conceived the same way, and all mamas have them basically the same way, and all of that stuff comes from natural law, but the, 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 the supernatural is looked after by El Shaddai. So when we transition in our life, and there was a day you got born again, there was a day you got born again, but there was another day that you made Jesus Lord. He was Savior on the first day. He became Savior. Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and take control. He became Savior. But there was another day where that manifested or that progressed to Lordship. And when he came, became the, the Lord of your life, uh, uh, the supernatural became a part of our life at that point. We began to submit things to him. 
and not, uh, not limit him to just going to heaven. Now, Pastor West told me the other day, he was uh, sharing some things that were real powerful to me. And uh, one of the things he talked about is how people in the miraculous realm, miracles are very hard or difficult for people to get if there's any hope or semblance of the natural being able to acquire it. If you have, if, the, if they come to you and say, well, you're going to die, but there is one little thing that we could do or we could try. There's one pill or one whatever that we could do that might fish you out. Then it's just nature. Everybody said, sign me up. And what he was talking to me about was that people, the more impossible their situation, the more likely they are to engage the supernatural. And so our job was, would be to disengage the natural remedy in many areas and not let it get to the beyond impossibility before we would say, I need a miracle. Financially, we shouldn't have to wait until we are just out of money and they're coming after us and our kids and our car and we say, I need a miracle. We ought to say, bless God, yesterday was my least day. I'll have that much and more every day of the rest of my life and that's how it'll be and it won't be different than that and you begin to engage the supernatural, you begin to engage the miraculous into your life, even though there could be some room that you could strive or try or, or try to engage something natural. So we would say that when circumstances visit us that are impossible, we should say, we should say, this looks like a job, for else should I. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd go back to that, uh, let this thing you have said happen to me. Let this thing you have said. That's, I hope you write that down somewhere. Uh, we're we're going to use it. We're going to go there. We're going to live there for a while. Let this thing you have said happen to me. Because it was impossible what Mary was facing. What about miracles? I know it's the Sunday before Christmas and this seems like an unlikely message. But I don't want to, I don't, not that it would be a waste, but I don't want to waste not one word on things that don't get us where we're supposed to be and maintain us in a realm that's above where we've ever been. So uh, let's go back to verse 5 in this, in this chapter. Luke 1 verse 5. Let's see if I'm right there. Uh, yeah, verse 5. There was a, in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zechariah of the course of Abia, and his wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. And they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. And they had no child because that Elizabeth was barren. And they were both now well stricken in years. So she was barren and they were both, you know, when you're barren and you're young, you're still barren. But when you're old, there's, every, it's a natural thing. It, it, it evolves into a natural barrenness where you get beyond the, the day of childbearing. And in verse 11, it says, there appeared unto to, uh, uh, Zechariah an angel of the Lord. And the story is he was in the temple ministering standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zechariah saw him, he was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zechariah, for thy prayer is heard, 
and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John. Well, let's just look at that for a second. When do you think, uh, do you think Zechariah had been praying that, that, that morning? Ah, oh, Lord, I'm looking for a son. No, he, he was well stricken in age. She was well stricken in age. And so probably this prayer had a beard on it. It was sold. It, it, was, it was a way back prayer. And you know, I, the more I notice about the Lord, the more I notice his contempt or his disregard for time. He's got his own clock. And it's just like, uh, what, what, clock, what are you on, Lord? What day and what hour are you on? Uh, yeah. So the angel shows up way past when we were really praying and in faith about having this. It's too late now, Lord. You're, yeah, well, you're too late. And the Lord said, no, I'm, I'm not too late. What I'm going to do is what, what you need me to do. So uh, uh, verse, uh, let's see, verse 18. Let's go down to that. And Zechariah said to the angel, after he, he told him about the deal, whereby shall I know this? For I am an old man and my well, wife well stricken in years. Well, uh, how many of y'all know that Zechariah knew the story of Abraham? And so this is not like the first time God said, let's go to the rodeo. He, he'd already been down this thing and he could sure well do it. But Zechariah argued with him. He said, I, you know, I'm going to need a sign to believe when in fact he'd already believed and then quit believing basically. But his prayer, his prayer, his prayer, his faith was still out there. Now, this is important that there's no time stamp on God and what he does. We are all in a way bigger hurry when, in fact, he gets us in faith by telling us things way early so that we will advance our faith and not surprise us. Most people are surprised with the miraculous, but we're not supposed to be. It's supposed to be the last piece of the puzzle that we fit in and we're looking for it every day. This thing is 3,000 pieces and I got all but one. I'm looking for that piece. We're going to get the cushions out. We're going to get under the, the sofa. We're going to find that piece. That's the way it's supposed to be. And so he tells us things that we usually think this is happening next week. We better giddy up. When in fact, it's way bigger than what you could get your faith around next week. He's got more to talk about. He's got an expansion on that thing. He wants to broaden your horizons, but he just opened the door on that day. And then he starts talking to you about as you engage him. And as a matter of fact, uh, in verse, verse 34, we see that. The Bible says that Mary said unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? Well, now, she, she's the first person that's asked details. She's wanting to know, how, how does this work? And, and what will I be needing to be doing in order for this to happen? Well, the, the thing you can get out of the implication there is that she was saying, I'm not married yet, but it's coming. And so when I get married, then we will have this child. But then it wouldn't have been supernatural, would it? It would have just been marriage. It would have just been having children. Um, she would have been married, but then you would have had a virgin birth. Nobody's going to believe that. Is that right? No, really. No, but you know, that's that's what people say when they they have a, 
Well, we won't go there. Hallelujah. Uh, but Abraham could have missed a lot of grief if he'd asked for details. Lord, how shall this thing be? And, and God would have said what he'd already said. Sarah, Sarah, this will be with Sarah. But he somehow he missed that memo and he had Hagar and he had Ishmael. It was a bad plan. It was a good plan, but it was a, it was a plan that went wrong. So uh, Mary was not in natural faith. She was looking for a miracle. As soon as the angel said, thou shalt conceive, and she began to look to how this thing might be. And so she began to immediately agree with the word. She immediately agreed with the word. You can tell she doesn't have all the details. There's not a memo coming across the fax machine. There's not a chapter she can read. She just said, okay. How many of y'all know we should say, okay? And that the Lord would be giving us a lot more invitations to the miraculous if we would say, okay. But if you've got to know every detail, if you've got to know everything, Mary asked a question, how, how's this going to be? Is this going to be with Joseph? Is this going to be before, after we get married? It, how, how's this going to work, angel? And he said, the Holy Ghost is coming upon you. And so it'll work out. We got traffic, don't we? That, that's, I think it's okay. Hallelujah. So Mary had a heart that could agree with God. And I am setting myself for 2022 to have a heart that agrees with God. I have, do you have supernatural things that the Lord's told you about that have been sitting on the shelf a while? Kind of like plans that he showed you and nothing came of them and Matter of fact, things may have gone the other way, kind of like Zechariah. We got old. We had no babies. Therefore, it didn't happen. The angel said, I have come for your prayer. You're like, what prayer? And you go start whipping through your notes, you know, and go back 40 years. That prayer? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That one's still in heaven, and it's still working. Uh, verse 38. Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word, or literally, let this thing you have said happen to me. Got it? Good deal. So let me ask a question. I want to go to this miracle thing. I want to, I want to, how can you and I get a miracle? Would anybody want to know how you and I can get a miracle? Would y'all like to know how to get a miracle? I can, we can end it here, but I, I got some stuff that'll set your woods on fire. Hallelujah. So, the, when we go back to, to how we can have a miracle, we have to know how God works. And I want to know how God works because he doesn't change it because I don't get it. I'm working on websites and it's like, uh, can we do it this way? No, nope, this is the way it works. And you're going to have to change and evolve and understand and, and turn around. Before, and we've got to do it the way that it's set up. I'm like, okay, hard lesson for me. I'd rather just do it a different way. That's the way the kingdom, the God is. You got to do it his way. So we have to ask our question. When God made Jesus, who is called the second Adam in Romans, why didn't the Lord make Jesus, the second Adam, the same way he made the first Adam? Because if we knew that, then we would know why the miraculous, this, this thing we just saw with Mary, how it can be plugged into my life, how it can be plugged into your life. Because God just came into the garden and just made Adam. Yeah just made him, and then he changed gears, and he took out of Adam, 
and made Eve. So there was two different... While we were there and had the dirt all squished up, why couldn't we have just made the girl too? Looks like that had been the handy thing, but it was, it was all for a reason that he changed that. And then when it came to the Lord Jesus, he didn't just make him the second Adam, the son of God. Adam was the son of God, wasn't he? Yeah. He made him one way, but now he made this son of God. He made him a different way. Number one, after Adam was created... Everything after that turned to the law of seed, time, and harvest. Can you say that with me? Seed, time, and harvest. There's nothing going on in the world concerning creation that doesn't come through seed, time, and harvest. It's important we know that. Only a man, a woman, only people have the ability, the authority to plant or create on the earth. Nothing gets created apart from you. Now we're talking about miracles here. We're talking about the supernatural. We're talking about our authority. We're talking about how God did it to demonstrate this very thing so we could get on board and we get excited. So Jesus was created by a natural means. He had a mother and she conceived uh, a seed. Now, the difference between Jesus being conceived and the seed that was used, the sperm and the egg, in the natural biological sense, is that where you and I were conceived with our father's uh, uh, seed, Jesus was just conceived with the word of God's seed, because we know the word is a seed. So he didn't violate any principles there. He just superseded it. He kept it all in line, but he superseded it. Then Jesus had to be spoke. He had before he was birthed by his mother, Mary, he had to have that seed in the earth. Someone had to prophesy or utter words that he would come. Someone had to plant, had to conceive him in a word that Mary could believe to be implanted in her spirit so that she could actually conceive the boy, the body, the, the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. So everything, what it leads to, the boil down is, is everything has to be conceived by a seed of faith or a seed of the word. Miracles don't just happen. And miracles, just because you're promised one, don't just happen because somebody suggested that you had a need that a miracle would fix. So God sent all these words, and we could go back and read them in the Old Testament where he said, I'm going to send my son, and he's going to be this, and he's going to be that. He'll be born here. He'll be born of her. She'll be a virgin, but she will, he will be conceived in seed time and harvest. I will plant the seed of my word in her, and she will bear the son, Jesus. He'll be a different kind of man, sinless, but he'll still be a man. So you go, well, how does that have to do with us being miraculous or the, being in the miracle realm? One thing we notice here is in verse 38 where Mary had a part, just like Melissa said, Mary had a part. She said, be it done unto me according to thy word. And a lot of times the miraculous that God entertains us with and, and brings us to bear, uh, to enter into a higher realm, a newer realm, is he says, would you agree with me? 
Would you agree with me? Would you lay down everything that says, I don't understand, therefore I can't agree, and just say, I don't understand, but I agree. At that moment, the seed of God's word is planted. And you would say, like we would say, let this thing you have said be happen to me. Let this thing which you said happen to me. Now, I'm thinking about prophecies that people have prayed or said or pronounced or declared over you and me. And how we looked at them and said, that's nice. That's nice. Do y'all remember saying that's nice? And even going, that'd be cool. And then saying, I wonder how that's going to happen. I, I don't have a clue. Or you might say, I don't even know why this needs to happen and what this means if it did happen. And all of those are natural, but none of them are faith-building miracles. We have to say, let this thing you have said prophetically or out of the word of God, let this thing you have said happen to me. Now, I've missed that on some of the things that I've had spoken over me. I pondered them, put them in a book, put, them, put a cover over them and said, thus saith the Lord, right there it is. But I never did, a lot of them, I didn't say, let this thing which you have said happen to me. Right there you can see there's a change and we can do it. It's just a small change. It's just a, it's a change like God creating Eve out of Adam. The difference between that and then Adam being made of the earth and Jesus being made of a, a seed that's not natural man. All these things have little nuances of difference, but they're very, very important because we understand the kingdom and the principles of God. First Peter one twenty three. Would you go there with me? Ah, uh, First Peter one twenty three. Notice that Mary said immediately, "Be it done unto me." Be it done. It's a, that word "be" is very strong in the Greek. It's a it's a it's a very affirmative word. I receive or I, I am one with that word. In verse 23, uh, the Apostle Peter said, being born again, look, look, not of corruptible seed, seed, but of incorruptible. Then then he explains incorruptible by the word of God. So the word is a seed. The word will make you pregnant with the miracle of heaven. It's just black ink on white paper. It's benign. It's useless. It's impotent. It's, it's not worthy of anything until it is believed. And suddenly it takes on a power, an ability, a, 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 a heavenly uh, stance that not makes it just black ink on white paper, but it actually changes m many people's lives and the, the events in it. Being born again, how are you born again? Not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. So we know that every baby is, is a, requires, every baby is a seed that is planted in order to grow. Every baby is planted or sown. Every baby. There's no, went to a meeting one time in a, and, and a woman stood up. It was quite a wild meeting. And she said, I'm going to have a baby and I'll never need a man. Well, we, we had doubt and unbelief rise up all over the room. <laughs> we said, girl, you'll be the second that's ever happened. And you don't, you know, it doesn't look likely. Hallelujah. 
So natural law, we just go back to natural law, you, and you have the, the sperm and the egg, and there's a conception, there's an intercourse, and they come together. Well, it's exactly that way. That is a picture of exactly the miracle of a baby being conceived and brought forth is exactly the picture of a miracle that you and I will need. It must be conceived. It must be conceived. It'll take two parts. It'll take the Word of God, but it'll take me. It'll take my faith, my agreement, my, my, uh, my yielding myself to incubate or to, to uh, gestate this baby, this word, this seed, and bring it to full birth. But I can do it. I can do it because I can read. And so I can read, and then I'm born again. I can believe. I can believe this word. I have everything in me to be able to, like a, like a, a woman would be, everything's in her to be able to conceive and to bring forth the child. There's just some events that have to happen for that to happen, or it will not happen. But once they do happen, it will happen. That's the way a miracle is. All the elements are all around us. The words all around us, the, the, the need of the desire to, to, uh, to have the supernatural is in us. We believe God can. We all say nothing is impossible to him who believes. And with God, all things are possible. We all do that. We all, all these ingredients are floating around, but they have to be connected. They have to be put in order. But when they are, they won't be denied. And in this particular case, science is not violated. It's not like, well, God had to go outside of science. Seed time and harvest, seed time and harvest, always the same seed time and harvest. Different seed, different, uh, we're not a womb as it were, but we are exactly that. If we let the word be planted in us, we will conceive and, and bring it forth. So babies are not just created, they are conceived. Everybody knows when somebody's going to have a baby. Everybody knows what happened. I can't think about it. I don't want to look. I, you know. Everybody knows this is what happened when you're going to have a baby. Is that right? And when you have a miracle that's being, that's being incubated, that's being brought forth, everybody knows, we should know in the church, everybody should know what happened. It's not like you never know what God's going to do or, you know, or, or something like that. And that's where miracles have been thrown into the God's in control thing. And whatever God wants to do, he can do, bless God. No, we don't have babies just being born to, to, to virgins all over the world right now. And we don't have miracles being born to virgins in the kingdom right now. They all, every believer had intercourse with the word of God. Can I say that? There was a conception, there was a uniting, there was an agreement, there was a be it done unto me. And there was an agreement that if we put these two elements together, the word of God and my faith, there will be a supernatural event. And it will not be different than that. So I put down, I wrote down that miracles are conceived. Three things, they're predictable. Wouldn't that change your life if you knew that a miracle could be predictable? That you could engage it? And that it would be, you could say, yeah, I've got a miracle. Well, you never know. Those things are kind of come and go, flighty, and maybe not. Maybe it took. Nope. They're also, they're, excuse me, they're also deliberate. You, in, you don't go into it saying, you know, you never know what God's going to do. He could just bring any miracle on you and just drop it off, and you'd be surprised. Not, not so. This thing with Zechariah where he prayed way back then with his wife Elizabeth. <laughs> 
And it came. And he was old. And mama was old. And John was born. And that was according to the plan of God. But, but Zechariah had prayed it. Elizabeth had prayed it. They had conceived it. So I wrote down that there's a lot of Christians that pray for miracles. But it's pretty rare for Christians to conceive a miracle. You know, it's just like the tithe. There's people that give 10% separated from their money. And they have no financial security. They have no confidence in that. Because just, just because you engage the logistics of it, the, the, uh, the, uh, the action of it, doesn't mean it's going to happen. You've got to have your heart in it. And the same thing with miracles. Um, a miracle requires our participation. It requires me to be in. It requires me to believe that God is the God of seed time and harvest. And if I will find in his word the seed, he will find in me the faith to conceive that I can do it. There's so many things I can't do, but I can do that. I can find in his word. So I wrote down some things. First uh, uh, Peter 2.24. Let's read there. We're right there in, in Peter. First Peter 2.24. Look what it says. Let, let's, let's work this thing out. Let's, let's get this in an in a, in a order that makes it work. It says, who his own self bear our sins in his body on the tree. We could say, let this thing you have said happen to me. So when we read that, who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree, I would say, let this thing you have said happen to me, that you bore my sins in your body on the tree. So I, I connect right there. I connect and I pull down a wall of impossibility or that's somebody else or I'm not. Interested. We got to go with what we know before we can go with what we don't know or what we don't have. Then we'd go on and say that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness. Let that which you have spoken, let this thing you have spoken, let this thing you have said happen to me. I'm going to say that, uh, that we being dead to sins should live under righteousness. I'm going to live in a realm that's beyond the sin realm. I'm going to live in the righteous realm. Righteous people are healed. Live under righteousness. Live unto those that are above sin. And then the last one, by whose stripes ye were healed, you would say, let this thing you have said happen to me. Let this thing, by his stripes ye were healed. Let this thing you have said, you have said, happen to me. Suddenly there's a, there's a union there between the, the, the seed and the faith, and they come together and they conceive the miracle. Now, unless you abort it, unless you cast it off, Unless you deny it, unless you, you, you almost like Zechariah, there's a miracle coming. I, I, I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We'll finish up. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. That scripture that we just read is the covenant proof for healing in our lives. Chapter 8, verse 9, is the covenant proof that supply is in our lives. He said, I, uh, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let this thing you have said happen to me. That though he was rich, yet for my sake he became poor. Let this thing you have said happen to me. That ye through his poverty, that, that I through his poverty might be rich. Let this thing you have said 
happened to me. Let this thing you have said that what have you said that I through his poverty might be rich. Let this thing you have said conceive in the faith of, of the born again man, the regenerated man. Let it happen to me. Conception, a miracle. A miracle meaning above your circumstances, above the natural law, above things that would have played out if God had not been allowed to be involved. All these things that are just in a natural track that you'll make a living, you'll spend your living, you'll accumulate, you'll invest, you'll diversify. And then at the end of it, it'll be what it is for so many. Let this thing you have said happen to me that I may be rich. A miracle. 1 Corinthians 1.30. We'll look at this and then we'll, we'll be done. I'm, I'm conceiving miracles in my life. And there's miracles being conceived this morning. And they will be birthed. They will be brought forth. We will not have a natural life. We will not have to get to the end of our rope where they say, you are terminal, there is no hope. If God doesn't raise you up, you are toast. We're not going there. We're just going to say... I, this is uncomfortable. I'm going to get a miracle for it. It says in verse 30, 1 Corinthians 1, But of him are ye in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom. So I'm going to say, of, But of him am I in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto me wisdom. Let this thing that you have said happen to me. Wisdom, wisdom. Let this thing of, but of him am I in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to conceive that word, that I'm of him in Christ Jesus. Is that right? Of him am I in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto me wisdom. I need a miracle of wisdom. I need to not be limited by what I could know, what I'm informed of, what my intellectual capacity is, my information bank of people that would uh, uh, parlay uh, uh, natural knowledge to me or people that would have a wisdom or an insight or a facet of life that's peculiar and unique. I need to be living above all that and I need it right away. I need revelation to be in my life so that I know what to do every single day. What, what to let go of and walk past, which seemingly is lucrative, seemingly powerful, seemingly very enduring, and just walk by and say, wisdom says this is what I'm going to have. I can't have both, but I'm going to walk past this, which is worldly, and I'm going to engage this. Now, that, that's wisdom. You, you wouldn't get that by having a chart and having a graph and having all the strategies right, lined up and said, according to the, us, we think 60 percent's over here and 40's over there. You just know that you know. You conceive inside of you the miracle of wisdom. It's so powerful. So I say, you say, we say, there's a miracle in my mouth. I have to know the word. I have to conceive with the word, which means I have to let the seed, just like in a natural conception, there has to be a, a permission or a, a, uh, an agreement to let that seed enter in where the egg is in this case and let the conception be mutually beneficial. In other words, you can't just say, I, know, I believe the Bible's God and whatever he wants to bring me, that's what I'll have. That's not it. That's, 
That's not the kind of uh, uh, conception the word's talking about. It's talking about when you meditate, you become lovers with the word. Lovers. Intimate. Oh, you're my most precious. I want to be with you. I want you to hold me and I want you to keep me and I want you to take care of me, word of God. I, I, I esteem you and I value you and I, I want you as my lover, the word of God to be my lover. Let, let's conceive, let's be intimate and let's conceive something that is beyond my ability by myself. But yet me being a person on the earth, I'm the only one that has the authority to do this. Let the word of God come into me and let this be done unto me according to thy word. It's, a, it's, it's, not, it's like the tithe. You can't just say, give your ten and it'll happen. You, you fall in love. And that's the process that it happens. Amen. So we just believe right now that a new door has been opened into our hearts. That we see things that have always been there but now are seen clearly. And it has is, it is blown on the flames of our heart and we are, a, we are ablaze. Lord, thank you right now for that which the kingdom requires to be, to be done and to have. Be, let it be done through us, in us, for us, for your glory, for your glory. So we release miracles into this place, into River Church and to everybody on broadcast. We release miracles into your life, that testimonies will be abounding in your life, that you will not be telling about what a great deal you got at Walmart, but you'll be telling about the great things that heaven has opened into your life. Be done. Be done. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.